Hello everyone. I am Dr. Jay Chitre. I am a physiotherapist by profession and an avid badminton player. I love to play the sport as it not only helps me get my heart rushing but also is a game that helps me focus better off court. But with all its pros follows the cons which are the injuries associated with it. So without further ado, let's dive right into episode 6. of Indian Sports Ortho podcast series by Dr Ishani Chaudhary The topic for discussion today is badminton and wrist injuries more specifically the triangular fibrocartilage complex or TFCC Before we get into the injury let's focus more about the sport Badminton is very popular globally and is the second most played sport in India after you know cricket right as exists gully cricket likewise since an early age we used to play badminton with just a shuttlecock and a couple of rackets wherever we used to find a spot you know especially in those by lanes or gully as you call it the best part about this sport is that it's been played by people of all strata irrespective of their skills or physical fitness levels while the exact origins of the sport remain somewhat obscure With similar pastimes involving a shuttlecock being around for hundreds of years across Europe and Asia, here's a fun fact: the game as we know it today is said to have derived its name from the Duke of Beaufort's badminton house in England's Gloucestershire County. The Duke, after witnessing British officers stationed in Pune playing the game, introduced it to his guest at a get-together in 1873. The game was named in Pune or Pune as it was known then. Badminton as a sport tests your strength and stamina. It needs you to run, jump, move sideways, forwards, backwards. It needs you to have the power to hit hard smashes. Badminton is a very popular sport in India. Badminton tests your strength and stamina. It needs you to run, jump, move sideways, forwards, backwards. it needs you to have the power to hit hard smashes this sport is highly demanding with an average heart rate of over 90% of the player's maximal heart rate the intermittent actions during a game are demanding on both the aerobic and the anaerobic systems almost 60 to 70% on the aerobic system and about 30% on the anaerobic system it places a greater demand on the lactic metabolism with respect to the lactic anaerobic metabolism the shuttlecock itself has an atypical trajectory during the game and the players are required to perform quick multidirectional and high velocity lunges and jumps for smashes and net play using a specific pattern of movement repeated over time moreover because it's such a popular and a common sport a large section of the population who play aren't trained in the sport nor do they follow the adequate norms such as warming up before play or cool down hence they are more prone to injuries such as muscle pulls and sprains these repetitive and powerful upper limb strokes and constant proprioceptive defiant lunges and quick movements sometimes lead to many injuries during before and after play Some of the top common badminton injuries include ankle sprain, Achilles tendonitis, wrist injuries, tennis elbow, rotator cuff injuries, or patella tendonitis or jumper's knee. 
For more information on patella tendonitis or jumpernies, please refer to the previous podcast in this series. In this episode, more specifically, we are going to focus me on wrist injuries that is the triangular fibrocartilage complex now what is tfcc the triangular fibrocartilage complex is the main stabilizer of the wrist a ligament connecting bone to bone together anatomically the tfcc is made up of dorsal and volar radio ulna ligaments deep ligaments also known as ligamentum subcruentum the central articular disc meniscus homolog ulnar collateral ligament extensor carpi ulnaris subsheath and extensor carpi ulnaris subsheath and the origin of ulnolunate and ulnotriquetral ligaments let's talk a little about the origin the origin is from the dorsal and volar radio ulnar ligaments which originate at the sigmoid notch of the radius insertion the dorsal and volar radio ulnar ligaments converge at the base of the ulnar styloid now what is the action it allows the wrist to move in six different directions bending straightening twisting both ways and side to side let's focus more on the symptoms associated with this injury or more commonly when should one visit a doctor the symptoms associated with this are wrist pain swelling painful clicking loss of grip strength or turning a door key which is often painful on physical examination there is presence of positive fovea sign there is tenderness in the soft spot between the ulna styloid and flexor carpi ulnaris tendon and also between the volar surface of the ulnar head and the pisiformis pain is elicited with ulnar deviation tfcc compression or radial deviation tfcc tension pain elicited while getting up from the chair with the support of your unilateral wrist now those were the physical examination that occurs when you have a tfcc sprain or an injury one should see a doctor or consult a medical examination when the pain starts to hinder your normal range of motion or your activities of daily living let's move on to the radiological examinations x-rays may show disruption of the complex when there is a bone fracture involved however ligamentous instability without any bone fracture appears normal on a standard x-ray An X-ray with a dye injected is called a wrist arthrography. Such an arthrography is positive for a TFCC tear if the dye as seen on the X-ray leaks into any of the joints. During this test, there are three specific joint areas tested. Hence, it is also called a triple injection wrist arthrogram. MRI is one of the sure-shot areas 
where TFCC diagnosis can be accurately made. Depending on the severity of the injury and the tear involved, the patient can be further advised for a surgical or a non-surgical option. Let's continue on the non-surgical front. The first main aim of the treatment is to reduce pain and inflammation using NSAIDs or NSAIDs, icing and immobilization of the wrist using splints for acute condition. Icing and immobilization of the wrist using splints for acute condition. Once acute stage has passed and the pain along with the inflammation, swelling and redness has decreased, then the patient can be referred to a physiotherapist for further rehab. Simple wrist and finger stretching exercises will be prescribed and should be done within the limits of pain. Exercises to improve the motions of bending and straightening of the wrist, turning your palm up, supination, and then back over, pronation, moving your wrist towards your little finger, ulnar deviation, and then towards your thumb, radial deviation, as well as twisting of the wrist should be advised. Strengthening exercises will also be prescribed. These exercises will focus on improving both the strength of the wrist as well as the ability of the hand to grip and exert force when twisting, grabbing, bearing weight or doing any functional activities such as those required for your work or sport. Exercises to improve strength will include eccentric exercises for the forearm muscles, Eccentric contractions occur as the muscles lengthen and the tendon and the muscle is put under stretch. Eccentric exercises for the wrist are initiated by dropping the wrist down slowly at first and then also slowly returning to the neutral position. As able, the drop portion of the exercise is progressed to a quick motion. These exercises will help to build up the tensile strength in the tissues and associated muscles of the wrist to be able to control and protect the wrist. These exercises will help to build up the tensile strength in the tissues and the associate muscles to be able to control and protect the wrist. Strengthening exercises will be prescribed not only for the bending motion of your wrist but also for the motion where the wrist moves towards and away from your thumb that is the radial and ulnar deviation. This motion along with wrist rotation are particularly stressful in the TFCC area. Your doctor should ensure that your injury is at an appropriate stage of healing before introducing eccentric exercises or strengthening the ulnar and radial deviation as these types of exercises put a lot of stress through the TFCC area and can aggravate a healing injury. Another stressful exercise for the tissues of the TFCC is one that involves putting weight-bearing force through the wrist, such as when you push a door open with your hand or you do a push-up. Your doctor will add these type of exercises once they know that the healing process has progressed enough to not aggravate your wrist. These exercises should begin in a neutral position such as the position you would use while making a fist and progress to a position where weight is being put through the wrist 
while it is extended, such as a wall or a floor pusher. Therapeutic tools such as elastic putty or gripping balls might be used to add resistance for your wrist. As you become stronger, weights or resistant bands will be used to further build up your strength. Fine motor control and dexterity exercises for your thumb and hand may also be added into your rehabilitation routine depending on your occupation or the cause of your injury. Your therapist may ask you to do daily functional tasks such as folding the laundry, twist, twisting the doorknobs or unloading the dishwasher as a part of your therapy. These exercises force the wrist to do combined motions such as rotation and extension and stress the tissues of the TFCC in ways similar to how it is stressed during our everyday activities. Proprioception is the ability for your body to know where it is in space without even looking at it. With any injury, this ability of proprioception declines. A period of immobilization adds to this decline. Without proper proprioception, any joint is at an increased risk of injury. Your doctor should prescribe exercises to address the proprioception of your wrist. They may ask you to roll a ball with your hand against a wall or gently toss and catch a light ball. Many advanced exercises for strength also incorporate this technique along with eccentric training of the elbow, shoulder and scapular muscles for adequate strengthening of the kinematic chain of the upper limb. This injury is more prone to befall professionals who have an inculcation of repetitive wrist motion in their daily living, such as table tennis players, surgeons, IT professionals and even drummers and percussionists. It remains our duty to be aware of such injuries and prevent their adverse effects on our body. Thank you everybody for tuning into this episode. I hope you guys had an informative time. My name is Dr. Jay Chitre. See you soon on the next episode. Till then, goodbye, take care and stay safe. Welcome to the Indian Sports Ortho podcast series by Dr. Ishani Chaudhary, orthopedic surgeon. In this episode, we discuss one of the most common sports injuries, especially very frequently seen in football players, that is ACL injuries. And today we have with us our sports physiotherapy expert, Dr. Neera Churi, who has successfully transformed his passion for sports into his profession. Dr. Churi has a vast experience of working with many sportsmen and sportswomen from stellar teams like the India Under-17 football team, U Mumba from the Pro Kabaddi League, Mumbai FC Juniors team, Minerva Punjab FC team, which won the I-League, which is the Senior National Football League in India, and many other national sports teams. Let's hear it from Dr. Neera Churi and let's dive right into the subject. Hello everyone, this is Neera Churi and today I'm going to talk about one of the most common and popular injury in sport, the anterior cruciate ligament injury, popularly known as the ACL injury. We will also be discussing the role of physiotherapy post an ACL injury. 
To begin with, the ACL arises from the medial aspect of the lateral femoral condyle in the intercondylar notch. It bifurcates and inserts into the tibial fossa and the anterior horn of the medial meniscus. It runs inferiorly, medially and anteriorly. Think of it as being a shoelace strung to the lace holes, running in a vertically diagonal manner, keeping the two ends together. The major blood supply of the cruciate ligaments arises from the middle geniculate artery and the primary nerve supply is from the posterior articular branches of the tibial nerve. The ACL comprises of two main components, the smaller anteromedial bundle or the AMB and the larger posterolateral bundle or the PLB which are named according to where the bundles insert themselves into the tibial plateau. The AMB is tight in knee flexion whereas the PLB is tight in knee extension. Moving on, let's talk more about what the ACL actually does. The main function of the ACL is to limit the anterior translation forces. Well, what does it mean? Simply put, if you are sprinting in a forward direction and you have to stop suddenly, the body will still have a forward momentum as you come to a halt. This forward momentum can shift your femur or the thigh bone ahead while your ankle and the shin bone which is called the tibia are planted on the ground. This shift of bones is throttled by the ACL. Thus, the ACL plays a pivotal role of absorbing major forces especially during the deceleration or the slowing down phase and prevent the gliding of femur over the tibia or vice versa. You must have understood by now why this ligament is so vital in athletes. Most of the sports have a sprint deceleration movement like taking a run in cricket or competing for the ball in football or hockey. Or some sports have a forward lunge reach out movement like the one in tennis, badminton or volleyball. Not only that, the constantly flexed knee position with a forward momentum in skiing and skating also recruits the ACL maximally. Thus, the ACL is an omnipresent crucial factor which helps the body perform some very risky maneuvers so easily that you hardly notice them. This of course is the case until you get injured. Sometimes one of these deceleration drills or forward lunge or landing on a hyperextended knee can cause the rupture of the ACL which was not able to absorb all the forces at that given point of time. If the rupture is complete, the knee usually buckles and you lose balance and fall down. There may or may not be immediate swelling. Walking right after the injury might or might not be possible and a limp is generally seen. At this crucial juncture, you need to decide what is to be done. Of course, the immediate aid is ice, anti-inflammatory and bracing. But what after that? The MRI shows a tear. The surgeon has suggested a reconstruction. What should your next move be? Is surgery the only option? Does surgery ensure a complete recovery and no future problems? The answer is yes and no. Confused? Well, ACL injuries are bound to be that way. Nobody can accurately predict the outcome after a successful surgery 
or after a good sport specific rehab there have been athletes who had a torn acl and did not opt for a surgery they still had a pretty good and successful career after that just with rehab yuvraj singh and dhanraj pillai are two well known athletes in that example then there are some athletes who have had a surgery but re-injured the same knee multiple times and had a shortened career the famous brazilian footballer luis ronaldo and champion skier lince won fall in that category so how will you decide on whether you need to go in for a surgery or just a rehab after an acl injury well everyone will give you a different opinion but just to brief you up some of the deciding factors for surgery are the pivot shift test and feel frequent buckling damage to the surrounding structures most importantly the meniscus knee locking and lack of confidence while returning to sporting activities if any of these signs is present it it is usually indicative of for surgery if not there is always a chance you might only opt for a good rehab plan and get back to sport without a surgery hang on you must be thinking i forgot to mention one very important factor which you all know of mri isn't it well i don't think so an mri is just a diagnostic tool to know exactly which structures are damaged let's just keep it for that so next time don't tell your doctor or friends my mri shows an acl tear i am opting for a surgery you might not look the smartest around acl surgeries have become less evasive very compact and progressive in the last decade or so however the same cannot be said about the rehab protocol no player ever wants to sit out for 9 months before starting to play again a lot of physios have taken advantage of this situation with some very expensive so called athlete accelerated rehab which assures them return to sport in 6 to 7 months well this might be possible in some very elite highly conditioned professional athletes but surely should be avoided by the general population a good rehab is as good as a, is as important as a good surgery irrespective of whether you opt for surgery or not your rehab is going to be the biggest deciding factor in your return to sporting activities give it time and dedication and respect the time frames set by the physio remember rome was not built in a day and acl rehab is certainly not a two week or a one month job it takes time plenty of it so focus and patience are the key the acl is a never ending topic of discussion and the more we progress with technology the more these discussions will heat up so i hope now you all have a basic idea of what the acl does for you and how not to panic after you suffer an acl injury This is me Dr Neeraj Churi signing off. Hope you have a long and injury free sporting life. Tune into more episodes of the Indian Ortho podcast series to know more about other sports related injuries. Thank you.